I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, contributor at Mavs.com, on location. What you got for me, Isaac Harris? So, as I mentioned on yesterday's pod, I'm, I'm back home in Kentucky visiting uh, my family and my hometown and stuff, and I was at, uh, I was well, here at home, and I, I found Nintendo 64. Hey, and classic, classic game. This, I mean, console, everything. Pulling out some old games. Uh, Super Mario, which is just amazing. I spent so many hours on that game. But I had um, King Griffey baseball game at mm. NFL Blitz 2000. So then I had NBA Live 2000. Wow. Had t- Tim Duncan on it. So I put it in. I actually tweeted out the intro video today. Uh, so you can go to my Twitter and you can see the intro video to the NBA Live. I just taped the TV screen. Uh, just seeing some crazy players in the video, the graphics uh, from Arvita Sabonis to Kobe and Chris Webber and just all these crazy things. So then I put it on. Uh, I played I played one game. Mavericks hosting the Sonics. RIP R- the Sonics. The, Ma- the Mavericks lineup i had steve nash and finley okay then i had gary trent okay then i had the one the only cedric sabalas (laughs) (laughs) and then i had sean brad and you immediately benched him and he went to the booth (laughs) i had sean bradley at center and then coming off the bench at small forward with a rating of 75, we had Dirk Nowitzki. Oh, sad. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was wild. The graphics and everything. I actually had fun playing it, but uh, it's cra- what was more beautiful about anything about it. It had the old school court logo, the green and white jerseys, the cowboy hat logo. It was just so beautiful, but uh, we can't have nice things right now. They have lots of nice things. The Mavericks have tons of nice. They have at least two nice things. We do. Somebody tweeted. At, uh, somebody tweeted uh, something today, and I saw it. And it wasn't directly. It was just on a timeline. So I'm sorry I didn't give you credit for this. Um, but it made me think. And it said, with the Golden State run that's going on these past like five years, how you feel about Golden State has it? Does it have anything to do with the fact that the Mavericks have sucked during this time? And I know, and I know that a lot of people hate Golden State. I don't. I like them. I like the way they play basketball. I, I just, it's fun for me to watch. It's entertaining. But it did make me think. It made me think about something I hadn't thought about before. If the Mavericks were good and they were getting put out by this Warriors yes. team, what I would, yes. what I, what I dislike this Warriors team. And I, I'll have to admit, I probably would a little bit, a little bit. Um, yeah. It's kind and of. I don't know. It, it kind of goes team. with that whole. You know, like we talk about Salah, you, you'd hate for him. You hate to play against him, but you love him when he's on your team. Yeah. And the Warriors, it's kind of like, well, there's there's really no rivalry there for the for the Mavericks because they never really play them. They play them in the regular season, like 
three, maybe, yeah, it was, maybe yeah, four since times, the but. first round upset and all of that stuff with Baron Davis and all that. But I, it would be sweet, Vic, you know, sweet to, you know, beat them in the playoffs and all that stuff since that first round exit. But I don't know. It just made me think about something. It was a solid tweet from someone. I'm like, yeah, since we haven't really had a horse in the race the past uh, few years, it, it's kind of like we watch the playoffs and we just kind of pick teams we want to root for. And we always <laughs> dislike the Rockets. And But uh, I don't know. It was just it made me think about something different. Yeah, and then the the Warriors thing with the We Believe team. The team is just so different now. I mean, I mean, the yeah. ownership is different. The GM is different. The coach, all the players. I mean, it's wild how different this team is. So it's kind of hard to to take that. I would be interested if anybody still harbors you know ill will against the Warriors just because of that We Believe team. I'm sure they're out there. So tweet us. I don't at- know. I, I think a lot of fans actually do, and because that that just brought up a lot of. Yeah, it just sucked. I mean, everybody was making fun of the Mavericks back then. It was Dirk's year. Um, yeah, I still think it's pretty. I, I still think it's kind of sensitive with fans. I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure it's out there. Tweet us at Lockdown Mavs at Nick Van Exit at Isaac L Harris. Let us know. Let us know how you feel. Um, today on the podcast, we are going to do our draft profile of John Morant. We are going to talk about all the things we do in a normal draft profile. If you haven't, um. Listen to one of these before. We'll go through the whole rundown of what we do. But before we do that, Isaac, how are you feeling about this Denver-Portland series? Because game two just finished. The Portland Trailblazers pulled off the win. Uh, I've adopted the Portland Trailblazers. I hope they make it to the Western Conference Finals. And I hope they take a game from the Warriors. That's that's my my huge want in sports right now. Uh, yeah, I, think, I feel like Dame is everyone's cousin right now. We're all rooting for him. Uh, I, don't know, I think it would be hard to find somebody that – does not like Damian Lillard right now. Um, but I know I know who he is. He does commercials for Mountain Dew in his spare time. Uh, he's who? an ec- eclectic dresser, and he is. Uh. Uh, <laughs> he lives in the mid. He lives in in the Midwest. And <laughs> you think he's watching this round? Oh my gosh! Definitely not. No, definitely not. Russell out. Westbrook would. No, he's out. He's completely out on it. <laughs> Um, how do I feel about this? I don't know. I, as soon as we uh, got on to record this, I'm like, I feel like this is uh, the series a series that would go seven games and no one would still still care about it. And I don't know. It's just it's obviously for me the least of the four that I watch it if I can. But I'm not like I don't know. I'm not canceling plans to watch you know Portland and Denver. But I mean, it's fun. Damian Lillard's fun. It's kind of like this weird. Lillard versus Jokic, but they play opposite positions, and you just couldn't find two opposite players uh, than them two. But somehow it's you know, and then you find these guys like Malik Beasley and Cantor, and these guys that Tory Craig, super- man, Tory Craig got his nose broken, goes yeah, out he, of the game. He was come, in there at the end of the game, comes right? back in and and has this mask on and just plays through it. It comes in and almost immediately after he comes in, he nails this three to help, you know shorten the uh blazers lead and it was, it was just a gutsy gutsy play yeah so denver just it feels like they have so many of those guys and uh, i i really like malik beasley i wish he could have been a maverick somehow but uh, isaiah thomas played great <laughs> uh, he's just not gonna play i wish he, i wish he would get a remember moment, when he but... was like oh six man like they signed him everybody's like that's under under the radar he i for- love he forgot the teenth he forgot the teenth part of that we should we 16th, should pull up man. tweets that are like this under the radar signing oh, sneaky yeah. good. <laughs> this could help him big time. Six man Isaac he can ne- be the point guard. In their defense, we don't know what he's doing behind the scenes to help this team. 
That's true. Or Michael Porter Jr. But the Blazers won this game. Damian Lillard had 14 points, four assists. I mean, he wasn't in foul trouble or anything like that. He wasn't, um, you know, hurt or anything like that. He just didn't shoot well. He didn't shoot well at all. The Nuggets had, I think, 25 offensive rebounds in this game. They just grabbed every single one of them. And this it, is the, and it was just wild that Portland came up with this win in Denver. This was the one series that I wanted it to be over quick, um, because I want whoever, like I, I want the next round to be fun. I don't want this series to go seven, seven games, because then whatever team comes out, it's going to be limping going into Golden State or Houston. You know, I think I, Golden State. I think I take the opposite approach. I think I want this to go seven, and I think I want the team that comes out coming out on this high. To have little a little amount of time to go face the Warriors because you don't want to you don't want to do what like the Raptors had to do or the uh, the Celtics where you just have to sit for six days and just watch this other team and just think about the Warriors and it's just all it's going to be all encompassing all you think about is the Warriors coming up and just this impending doom if the Warriors do get out of the series yeah but what if what if the Warriors like sweep or win in five they're gonna be like lions watching these two rabbits fight for like an hour just to like pounce on them and sweep them I know their their best chance is if the Warriors like get a little bit too much rest and they get a little rusty and then they come in True. on a high and they come in you know still with that momentum from the, the series before I, I still feel the uh, the momentum from series to series carries but we're both in agreement we want Portland to face Golden State, right? Yeah, just for the fun of it. I don't think either team has yeah. any chance. <laughs> I mean, no, but Lillard versus Curry would at least be fun. Yeah, they'll probably get swept. I don't know. I think they'll win. I think they could win a game or two. No. I mean, if Kevin Durant's playing like he's playing, then no. But And neither team has a guy to guard him. You have a Minu, I guess. Rodney Hood. Rodney That's... Hood actually played really good defense no. tonight. He had a, like he didn't he have like he had like four blocks in this game. I think he had over 10 points, too. Somebody tweeted us about him today, about him being a target. and Yeah. Yeah, he had three sure. blocks, and he had, he, had a, he had a decent game. He was in there at the end when they were doing defensive substitutions for the final couple of possessions. He's oh, long. What, what do you think about Rodney Hood? Let's, let's throw that out there since somebody asked. Oh, gosh. I, I don't mind him too much. I, I was more of a believer um, in his Utah days. and I mean, he's, he killed the Mavericks up before. But, I mean, a shooting wing, I mean – if it if it's cheap for what Portland got him for, then I'm all sign me up all day. Like, I'm down. Bring him in. <laughs> I've said this theory a bunch of times, and I've adopted it for myself. But it's Mike Lombardi's theory, who used to be in the Patriots front office, that there's 25% players, 50% players, 100% players. 100% players are like your Damian Lillard's, your Jokic. They're gonna bring it every single night. They're gonna give you production every night. 25%, like one every four games, they're gonna bring you something, you know, awesome. Rodney Hood to me is like a fifteen percent player. <laughs> He's yeah. a guy that just is awesome for one game, and then then the next five six games go by, and you're like, "What happened, to Rodney? Where's Rodney Hood? He just disappears." Like, is he so, playing at all? Or I don't know. I, that's that's kind of the way I feel about Rodney Hood, and, and just yeah, yeah. So anyway, all right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, let's get into our draft profile of John ja Morant. All right, Isaac, John ja Morant, the guard coming out of Murray State. Six foot three, six seven wingspan, reportedly. 170 pounds. He's gonna be just under twenty years old at draft time. His birthday is in August. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's from Dale Zell, South Carolina. So the top two picks could both be from South Carolina, which is kind of interesting. That's random. And uh, so that's John Moran, and this is what we go through with our draft profiles. 
We do strengths and weaknesses. We talk about his availability, where the Mavericks are going to be, if he would be potentially available for the Mavericks. Talk about the ceiling and the floor of the player, an NBA comp, uh, his future role if he were to be on the Mavericks, the roster impact if he were to be drafted by the Mavericks, second-round pick pairings, somebody else with that 37th pick that could be uh, taken, and then why the Mavs should take him and why the Mavs shouldn't take him, which will be very – I think that's going to be the biggest section of this. (laughs) Yes. I feel like there's a lot of debate in it. Strengths. Um, this is he's not on Zion's level of an athlete, but he is a really good athlete for a point guard. I mean, he can get above the rim. He caught a ton of lobs at um, at Murray State. He can attack closeouts. He's super quick. He is uh, an incredible ball handler, incredible passer, great scorer. He's a decent shooter. Um, we'll talk about that a little bit more in weaknesses. But the the passing, the ball handling, the uh, everything that you want a prototypical point guard to have, you know, he has. Yeah, man. Ja kind of took the country by storm and his rise at playing at such a small uh, college like Murray State uh, in the OBC conference and playing against these smaller schools. It's hard for these guys to really get their name uh, on that. I mean, you naturally go back to someone like Damian Lillard at Weber State and, you know, he gets drafted high in the top 10, top eight, I think. Um, I think it was sixth. Six. So, like, you know, Lillard, it's kind of hard to figure out how you feel about some of these guys that are playing against that type of talent. And you can do – that's why, you know, I was looking up all of uh, Morant's synergy numbers. And I'm like, just how much of the synergy numbers can I use for that? You know, when you're playing – like, these are teams that you're playing in the OVC. Like, Murray State went 16-2 and in the OVC conference. And these are the teams. Belmont, Austin P, Jacksonville State, Tennessee Tech, Tennessee State – I mean, I could just keep on going. Uh, tiny, tiny colleges that it kind of you. You don't want to like. I'm not saying it in a way that you can you hold it against him, but how much could you put you know so much weight in it for him too? There's a balance, and it's harder when you get into these smaller prospect like the these smaller conference guys like John Morant. But I mean, the jump that he took. Last year, his freshman year, he averaged just over 12 points a game. This year, his sophomore year, he doubled it. You know, he's averaging 24 and a half points a game. I mean, that that's what's first year, six assists. This year, 10 assists. So he took a, a massive leap forward. Um, but the athleticism was there his first year. It was obviously there the second year. And, you know, besides Zion, he was – the most exciting athletic player in uh, in college basketball and yeah so you ask yourself like 63 175 how special can he be i think he will be really really special um i think how special will depend on a lot with his fit but like you said with his athleticism it is zion williamson at one uh but jaws underneath him in a Westbrooky type of UCLA type feel yeah. when you when you used to see Russ at UCLA. Ja has some crazy highlights. He's one of the like that's you pull up his highlights on YouTube. They're so fun to watch. But his athleticism is off the charts. But for me, his biggest strength is his passing because a lot of times you see some of these really athletic, you know, scory type of guards. They don't have the playmaking passing, and his his passing and and vision is remarkable. 
Yeah, that's going to be the, the best thing. I mean, he averaged 10, po- 10 assists last year. 20, 25, 24 and a half points, 10 assists, 5.7 rebounds. Uh, he played 36.6 minutes at Murray State in 33 games. That's a, that's a decent stat line, Isaac. Uh, heck yeah, it is. That's a heck of a stat line. <laughs> yeah, his, his passing is, is elite. The the ball handling, I was reading a, an article on the Stepien yeah. about him, and um, oh, I don't think it was Jackson Hoyo, somebody else. I'm going to pull it up real quick because I want to give him credit. But they said coming into the NBA right now that they think the top ball handlers in the league are like Kyrie, uh, Steph Curry, I think Harden was on there, Trey Young was on there, and then it's John Morant. He, he went out and said that he is going to be you know, a top 10 ball handler in the NBA right away because he's just that good. Yeah, he he has he kind of has a herky-jerky type to him. He has the change of speed. Um, he has that ability to where it's not just transition to where some players are just pure transition and, hey, you get them out on the break and they're crazy to stop on the break. He can get to the basket at will at times. And some of his dribble moves, yeah, already is uh, is insane. And watching that, uh, I watched a couple of his uh, conference tournament uh, games heading into trying for them to because I really wanted it to see him in the tournament. And you know they, they end up winning, you know their their tournament championship. He had a couple great games. He goes into you know March Madness, plays Marquette uh, in that first round. And you know they beat Marquette, and that that was a massive game. He had a triple double. He uh, was just incredible in that game. And they obviously got beat against Florida State. But um, at some point, at a, with a smaller school like Murray State, you're just going to get overwhelmed with talent. And it wasn't really a knock on on job, but yeah, hit. I mean, his passing, his vision, his athleticism. Uh, he's great around the basket. That's one of the synergy things. I should have had it um, written down to use on here, but. Uh, his, his shots around the basket, he's really, really good. He has a hang time that he can, he can do. Um, yeah, that's something you don't always see, especially at a young age like that. If people can drive and they're so fast and they're so athletic, sometimes they just don't have the, um, just the ability to finish around the basket because it's like they're trying to catch up with their athleticism. And that they're so athletic and they're just they're going so fast and they're jumping so high that sometimes they just can't they can't put it, the ball in the basket. Uh, but he does. <laughs> yeah, he he does. So yeah, that ball handling. Uh, he is for me the un like he is number two. Uh, he is ahead of R.J. Barrett for me and for sure. And he should be at two. I think he's going to be a great player. Absolutely. It's just a matter of what his fit. Or what team he goes to? Yeah, his, his fit is going to be interesting. The weakness is if we move on to that defense, obviously, is going to be a weakness. He has the athleticism, like we said, but just not as locked in. And he also had a massive offensive load. I mean, we mentioned it: sixteen shots a game, twenty-four points, ten assists. He had eight free throws a game. I mean, he is just. And he also had five turnovers so <laughs> per game. So the the out the the load that he was carrying on offense was massive. So maybe overvaluing his defense. And how much that's going to be a weakness for him is, you know, maybe a little overplaying it because of the the amount of offense he had to play. Also, those turnovers, 5.2 turnovers per game. The assist-to-turnover ratio is good. I mean, 10 10 assists to 5 turnovers, but still 5 turnovers is pretty bad. Um, But in the NBA now, you have Harden, who's like 5 turnovers a game in the playoffs. (laughs) Yeah, and that's one another thing you look at 
playing it somewhere like Murray State, it's kind of twofold of how you want to take that um, as far as a, as a weakness and stuff. You're going to have better teammates when you go to the next level and to where like you won't have to maybe force as much stuff as, as you're going to have to when you're at a smaller school and you're the alpha dog, the one guy that can uh, do his thing. But then again, you look at it and say, he had over ten, he had a 10 assist a game with this, you know, with these teammates. What can he do with awesome teammates around and, and you know, or better shooters around that you kind of wonder how that is kind of skewed and how you want to how much weight you want to put into that with him uh, being at Murray State and and all that for me his biggest weakness um, and your biggest worry is just the shot and it's not just the percentages but really the mechanics of his shot and what you want as from a point guard when you look at Dame and you look at Steph and these guys that um the score and point guards, you want them like they need to be, or somebody like Jai, you try to project them at next level to be able to do that sidestep three, that side, you know, the step back three, the stuff like that. His shot is it's kind of inconsistent. I watched, a, I spent this morning watching just some slow mos of his, of his form and stuff. He has this weird. Uh, he doesn't keep his elbow in, and I know we're, I know we're getting like super technical at this point, but um, with the shot, like you want your elbow as straight as you can get it, and there's so many times he gets inconsistent with it to where it's almost like a uh, like a bowed out, like a chicken um, like a elbow. Joaquin Noah. Where, yeah, where his elbow goes out, and he's almost shooting it with like two hands, looking like sometimes, and uh, just somebody like that. You want that to be? Are they? Is a team going to try to remake the whole shot? Are they going to try to just keep it and just improve it some? I don't know. It is a low release point, but that's not the biggest issue for me. I mean, players have low release points all the time. But um, I didn't see as yeah. much wrong with, with the form. I, I did see that, like you said, with the elbow. But it's a slow release. I mean, it, it yeah. takes them a while to get that shot off. And that's where you have guys like Dame and Steph that are these scoring guards in, in Harden for sure that have these quick releases that they can get off Trae the Young. shot. Trey Young for sure has you can get off this shot really quick because the space is just not the same in the NBA and um, yeah. he's just gonna have to get off that shot way quicker so that that's a, a weakness I mean he shot pretty well from three in in college so we'll see how it translates but you know. and this is a small thing his wingspan isn't like ridiculous this isn't a Donovan Mitchell six you know six ten wingspan this isn't uh, a bigger guard a bigger scoring guard that has a super you know six ten to seven foot wingspan that shoots over guys it's six seven he's not a complete square like Dennis Smith jr <laughs> but hit you know it's a six seven wingspan it's not horrible but it's not something you're saying oh man that's that's crazy too at the same time so uh, that's just that's just a small thing it's his the main thing is his shot and what that can what that can be moving forward and that plays into like fits and everything with teams absolutely so let's take a quick break and when we come back we'll talk about fits and we'll talk about um him potentially playing on the dallas mavericks all right isaac so availability we think i mean i don't think he gets past three i don't i don't know who else would be uh, up there to take him. I think if Phoenix is there, I think they obviously take him. There's been talk about Phoenix <laughs> taking him at one. I think if Cleveland is at number two, I think they maybe think about it. They probably don't do it. They probably wouldn't take him. Chicago would take him. Atlanta, if they get all the way up to two, that is kind of one where you're like, ah, I don't know about that. If they would take yeah. him, Memphis would, New Orleans would, um, New York probably would. There's, that's 
pretty much it. And then then you get then you get to Dallas. That's that's the other team in the top ten there. Um, yeah, we'll talk yeah. about we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, his yeah, availability I, that's where he would be. He's, he's around two and three. Yeah, if you want Ja Morant, you need to land at two probably. Yeah, um, three. Just like you said, I mean, I think Cleveland and you know. Cleveland Atlanta. and Atlanta are like the only teams I think could talk themselves into RJ over Ja. What about Washington? Um, no, nah, you take Ja Morant and you'd be done with that. If you're at two? Yeah. I I like Ja significantly better than RJ as far as like an overall big board. So if you're have a you have a spot for either one of them, I lean I lean Ja for sure. Um but you know, even Cleveland, I, I would consider, even though Colin Sexton ended up having a decent year and shot the ball really well, but, you know, does Cleveland want to jack that up and all that? They really like Sexton, and um, we all know how good Trey Young is. So, uh, anyway. Well, he's way better than Colin Sexton. So. <laughs> he is, yes, he is better than Colin Sexton. Ceiling and floor for John Morant. I could see him being a guy that's a, a multiple-time all-star um, if he gets the shot together. Um but I don't see him as like he's not Zion level where he's like man I could see him making the Hall of Fame you know I just I don't really see that. Yeah, I feel the same way. I I, I put All Star as uh, his ceiling. Um, it, it's yeah, it's not it's not the same as Zion. It's not that type of uh, ceiling in my opinion. Uh, unless there is some drastic crazy thing to his shot. Um, but I think it's no. I mean, saying somebody's an All Star, it's no knock on him yes, at all. I mean, he's, right? Uh, I think how many guys that you come into drafts and say, all right, I think their ceiling's an all-star. I don't think there's a ton of those guys every time. Especially in this um, draft. I mean, it kind of, for me, it tampers, tapers off right here. <laughs> I think RJ could be, be an all-star in the right system. I think he's that good of a scorer. I think he can be. Um, but, no, yeah, I think all-star, when you get into, these, these categories always bleed over to us, but when you get over to this and, and NBA comps, um okay no no we're talking about ceilings and floor um yeah floor floor is really interesting and i look at his floor and say all right there's two guys in the league that i think this could be his floor like a terry rozier slash zach levine like those are like my floors for him <laughs> kind of um but he is a better zach like, levine he's a is way an interesting b- is an interesting one but he's a way, but I use Zach Levine as this like super athletic scoring type of guy. Yeah, right. But he's a way better passer than Levine. And Levine's a little taller, and kind of the same thing goes with Terry Rozier. But I, yeah, I think that's his like floor. I think he'll be fine. It's not a yeah, but that would be his floor for me. Ceiling, I think that's when you get into an NBA comp stuff. I think that's when you really get into John Wall, Westbrooky type things. What do you think about um, a, he's a, for me as a as a comp? I feel like he's a bigger Kemba because coming into the league, Kemba didn't shoot that well. His percentages didn't shoot that well, but I love but I liked Kemba's form better coming out of college though. Like seeing Kimba come out of UConn at that stage and getting buckets and everything he did, like that, that's a little different than you know than what Jaws at. And but yeah, I think a better passing Dennis Smith Jr. I mean, that's what about De'Aaron Fox? That, um, I think Fox is better defensively. Right, and he's not as quick. Jaws, not, yeah, Jaws not as quick. Yeah, yeah, true, true. Um. But yeah, I 
John Wall is a good as far as like ceiling. If he turns out to be John Wall, that's that's really good. Not like current John Wall, but what if Washington John- takes him? He ends up being like John Wall, and he gets injured as much as John Wall. Just what can you put a fan base through? Why would you speak that? That's so mean. <laughs> That'd be wild. Do you have any other comps for it? Like the Dennis Smith Jr. thing is 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 real because a lot of Dennis's strengths is a lot of um a lot of jaw strengths as far as a, the six three skinnier guard point guard super athletic. Yeah, can jump out of the gym. Uh, not a super long wingspan. Uh, Good passer. But the biggest, biggest difference is John Morant's a heck of a passer, and he is a heck of a playmaker. And that just wasn't Dennis. So that and that is a huge difference that does set him apart from Dennis. But uh, there are some similarities when you see that. Yeah, yeah. And if Dennis played at, at Murray State, I mean, are we talking about him the same way? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, wh- what numbers is Dennis putting up at, at Murray State if they swap, you know, swap spots? And that's the thing you have to wonder. Instead of NC State, what if Dennis went to a smaller school and all that? But um, I, I like John Morant's. Yeah, John Morant's a better prospect than than Dennis for sure. But there are similarities. The future role and the roster impacts kind of go hand in hand. Uh, the future role, I, th- I think he would. He would probably start as the starting point guard, right? I mean, he would probably come in, and then all of a sudden you uh, you don't go after some of these other point guards we've been talking about, like Kemba and you know Dragic and stuff like that. Like you just don't go after those guys. Yeah. So obviously, if you take if you take Ja, then that means that you draft him at two for probably, and if Dallas did take him, now I don't think. Well, okay, we'll get to that at the, at the bottom, but because <laughs> uh, we've kind of talked about it before. But if Dallas did take him, he yes, he would be a starter. Um, he would be your starting point guard, and immediately everything that you thought of and tried to talk your into talk yourself into with Luca and Dennis, that same conversation you need to pull it back out of the closet and bring it to the forefront because. Um, all of that would be there again of how do they fit alongside each other? How does Ja play off the ball some? How does Luca play with Ja and all this different stuff? So that whole conversation would be back. Can Ja play off the ball? Uh, that would be interesting with the slow release shot and kind of inconsistent shot. Um, will his agent even want him to work out for the Mavericks? <laughs> Uh, because what if his agent looks at it and says, hey, we remember the last athletic 6'3 point guard that was on your team that you had playing with Luka, and he didn't really like playing, playing that role. So you might see some of that jockeying back and forth, and when Jaron Jackson didn't work out for Memphis, he ended up going there. But you see this every year, that agents come into play, players, and like, we don't want our guy going there. And if Dallas is sitting there at 2, and you got a team like Phoenix at like 3, and they're sitting there saying, man, Phoenix, we want you to run the system and be our point guard of the future. But Dallas is like, hey, we got Luka Doncic running. We want you to play and off the Porzingis. ball. Guess what? You're getting 10 shots a game. Yeah, so that 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 would be something to watch, too, if uh, they even want him to work out for Dallas and stuff. But, yeah, he would be a point guard and uh, play out, share those, play the Dennis Smith Jr. role basically with Luka. All right, so let's just finish it off with why the Mavs should take him and why they shouldn't take him. Um. They should take him if they think that he just has so much upside that he um, – just so much upside that you can't pass on him and then that you couldn't get a, a trade for him. You know, if you couldn't come up with a trade that, that works out where you could trade out of two or trade out of three, 
depending on who's at two, then you take him, you take the talent, and you just kind of try to figure it out from there. Maybe you can trade him later down the road. Maybe do something else. That's that's to me the only reason why you should take him because it's going to be the same problems as Dennis. He's just he's just a little better. Yeah, I think why you should why they should take him and then why they shouldn't. Um, why they should. I think you look at it and say how how different how would this be different than Dennis? And I think a lot of it would hinge on how much you believe that he can be a knockdown outside shooter and how how good of a defender he can be. Because that's the thing. If you think he can be a hot like a top notch, uh, let's just say top ten point guard defender. Uh, because we look at these guards that we we've talked about in free agents of the Dallas would go after Pat Beverly or Brogdon or some of these guys, and you're saying, you know, how they would be perfect fits next to Luca because you know they can hit a three, they can defend the other point guards. That would be John Morant's role. So, can he be a, a really really good defender? Can he be a really really good outside shooter? If you're sold on both of those things. Because you already got the athleticism, you already got the ball handling, playmaking, all that stuff. If you can be sold on both of those things, then you approach it like, oh, well, this is a cheaper, younger, more potential option than a Pat Beverly or Malcolm Brogdon or something like that. Uh, I'm just unsure. I'm just unsure if he can be those things at this moment. So it, it does go into why the Mavericks shouldn't. Because you don't want the Dennis Luca 2.0 type of thing, and um, my whole thing goes into and why I don't think John Morant will be a Dallas Maverick is, I think if you land at two, there will be other teams clamoring for that possibility to go get him, and I think you could see a team like a Phoenix or a Chicago um, or you fill in the blank some of those teams. I think you could see a similar type deal that Dallas did for Luca. I think they would be chomping at the bits to be calling up and saying, "We'll do the same type of deal for Ja Morant if you'll move back a few spots." Phoenix, they have so many young players. If they called up and said, "We'll give you our first next year top 5 protected, top 8 protected, whatever you want to say, uh, to move up to get Ja Morant and you move back two or three spots to get DeAndre Hunter or Jarrett Culver or something like that." I think if you're Dallas, you take that deal. Uh, because we're trying to surround Luka and Porzingis with knockdown shooters, with lockdown defenders. That's the type of people you want. And I feel like I speak for Nick in this and saying, we bo- we're both huge believers in John Morant. We think he'll be great in the league. Somewhere I else. Just, <laughs> I, yeah, I just think this is the role we have Luka in. And I, you saw how Dennis got a little frustrated with that. I'm not saying he's the same with Dennis uh, as Dennis with that, but... This is, we want the ball in Luca's hands running the offensive system, and it would take a lot of changing up for job. But it's all a believer of how how high you think his ceiling is, and we don't know what what the Mavericks think about him. Absolutely, there you go. That's John Morant. That's his draft profile. Any last words? <sighs> um, no, I mean we did Zion uh, the first day. If you want to go back and listen to the whole Zion pod, uh, that was fun, and uh, we obviously did John Morant today. Um, we have you know a handful of other draft profiles coming up with Archie Barrett and some of these other guys. Uh, I'm looking forward to the DeAndre Hunter one because I love DeAndre Hunter, especially in Dallas. But uh, and obviously we've talked about this. Before. This this all goes down to March 14th draft lottery, and we're doing these May. because Dallas. Oh yeah, May May May. Um, what was your May joke that you made yesterday? It's already it's already May, so it doesn't count. <laughs> Uh, but no, yeah, you'll get another draft profile coming up soon. Um, John Morant's going to be a heck of a player. I question his fit in Dallas. Um, 
But yeah, we'll have to see how the ping pong balls fall. Absolutely. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom. Boom.